Hey friend, Graham Baldwin here with The Speaker Lab. Hey, wouldn't it be nice if someone gave you the exact process to find and book more speaking gigs in 2024? That'd be nice, right? Well, I'll tell you what, we're just gonna do that for you. We've created a new 18-page guide based on Dan Irvin's process that helped him actually book over $100,000 in speaking gigs in the past year. Now, Dan is one of our uh, team members here. He's this, a very successful speaker and also one of our coaches. And so you're gonna learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, proposal emails, and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps. Again, that's plural, thespeakerlab.com slash steps. We're going to send you that PDF guide right to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps. That's it. That's all you got to do. Go there. Hey, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. You're awesome. Hey, what's up, my friends? Grant Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. We are on episode 3131. Glad that you are here today. As you may know, we are in uh, we are in the midst of 30 days of podcasting here in the month of April. We're doing 30 episodes in 30 days. We are on, what is this, day three, I believe. So welcome. Good to have you guys here. Hey, today we are going to be answering another listener question. We're going to be, uh, this is a good question. This is a question I get sometimes and I don't talk a lot about, but basically about how to transition from one market into another market and specifically transitioning from, from faith-based speaking into more of, uh, let's just call it secular speaking or a secular type of market. So we're going to talk about that today. But let me also remind you two things. One, definitely be sure and subscribe to the podcast. Don't want you to miss out on any episodes, especially this month. We're loading. We are unloading uh, a lot of episodes on you. The second thing too is leave us a listener voicemail question. All right. I want to hear those questions from you. That's what you're going to get today. And I want to make sure that we are answering your specific question. So to do that, you can go over to thespeakerlab.com, go to the Ask Grant tab, leave us a voicemail, and we look forward to answering your question on an upcoming episode of the show. All right. Without further ado, let's get into it. Here's today's question. Hey, Grant. This is Jed Olson from Colorado Springs, and I currently do a lot of in-house speaking with the Christian ministry that I work with, Youth with a Mission, and I've been considering branching out to other venues. So I basically have two questions. My first is whether or not you've ever considered to direct your speaking career to Christian venues and conferences because of your youth ministry background, and what your reasons for not going that route were, such as, is there just not enough money in this arena? Uh, is it harder to get speaking gigs than others with this genre? And my second question, which is tied to it, is how did you use that free church speaking engagement that you've mentioned to transition to speaking to schools and businesses and other venues? Thanks. Loving the podcast. All right. Thanks for the question, Jed. So how do you transition from a like faith-based speaking into more of a, a secular market? Now, first of all, let's kind of back up here and I'm going to give you some, some context. Now, you can listen in depth in episode one of the, the podcast, hear more of my story and my journey, but my career actually started as a youth pastor. So I went to Bible college, worked in a local church for a little while and thought that was really what I wanted to do with my life. And one of the things that I really, really enjoyed in that role was speaking. And so naturally, it was, I got a lot of opportunities to speak, both in speaking to, to youth and to students, but also got to speak in, you know, quote unquote, big church on the weekend and talk to the adults from time to time. And so those opportunities really helped me to feel like this is this is fun. This is something that I, I enjoy. This is something I feel like I'm decent at, something that with some work, I feel like I could definitely get better at and improve at and be, you know, hopefully fairly good at. That was really, really beneficial and really, really helpful for me. So I was always intrigued in speaking being a career opportunity. 
Now, plus, on top of that, while I was in college, I actually worked for a guy who was a speaker in the Christian market. He was speaking at a lot of uh, camps and retreats, different weekend services. And so I helped him a little bit part-time on kind of the admin stuff of the business. So I was helping him with, with contracts and travel, logistics, details, follow-up, that kind of stuff. So I kind of got to see, like a chance to see someone who, like a speaker who was actually doing it, you know, who had the kind of career that I potentially wanted to have. So the question then kind of becomes, well, Grant, all right, if you were a youth pastor in that world and you work with a speaker in that space, why did you not build your business in that market? So let's start with this, all right? Let's kind of zoom out a little bit here. This is really, really important and something that is important, especially if you want to be kind of a faith-based speaker. So it is hard to be a speaker in both markets, meaning that it's hard to market yourself both as kind of a faith-based speaker and then also as a you know non-faith-based speaker or as a quote-unquote secular speaker. Why? Because you use a very different language when marketing. The decision makers are very, very different people. How you would market to, let's say, a pastor to speak at a weekend service is very very different than how you would market to a conference planner for a corporate event. They're just different worlds. Plus, when you're presenting yourself as a, as a Christian or as a faith-based speaker, it can make more of the corporate or secular decision maker a little bit nervous. You know, if this person, if I bring this speaker in, will they go all preachy on my audience? You know, for me, if I was trying to position myself as a faith-based speaker, and especially early on coming out of a church world, and I was trying to get a, trying to get, let's say, a high school principal to hire me, but I was really again, positioning myself as a faith-based speaker, that's probably the type of thing that would make a lot of principals nervous. Like I, you know, he seems like a good speaker, seems like a good dude and has good values and all that stuff. But if I bring this speaker in, I have to also know that there's that line between church and state. As, a, as the principal and as a speaker personally, then it was a, a fine line that a, a pr- most principals probably wouldn't be willing to risk. So I knew for myself, I couldn't speak in both markets effectively. So I made the conscious decision to market myself in more of the quote unquote secular arena. So why did I do that? Well, a, a couple reasons. First of all, number one is that I've never really considered myself a Christian speaker. I think I always think of myself as more of a, a speaker who happens to be a Christian. So just because I'm a Christian doesn't doesn't mean I, I have to only speak to that audience in the same way that I'm I'm also a husband and a dad and an entrepreneur and an author and a lot of different roles in my life, but it doesn't necessarily mean that I have to speak exclusively to any one of those audiences. And so I think we've always kind of viewed uh, a lot of people who come out of a faith-based world, whether that be, you know, Christians or whatever, we oftentimes think, well, you know, that's a big part of my life. Therefore, that's the thing that I have to speak about, or those are the people that I have to speak to. And I, I don't think that's necessarily the the case. There's nothing wrong with choosing to position yourself as a faith-based or Christian speaker. I just didn't want to be categorized as that. And so in fact, in my career, I've met a lot of speakers in the quote-unquote secular market who are Christians and who have a variety of faith backgrounds who speak in that secular market. So they come from kind of that worldview and that's the way that they live their life, but it's not necessarily something that they would speak about. So for me, again, one of the reasons was that, you know, I just, I didn't want to be categorized as a Christian speaker. The second thing, and I'd say this is probably the the big piece of it, it was largely a a business decision why I wanted to be kind of a a non-faith-based speaker. So for example, when I was working for this, this Christian speaker in college, 
I saw how much he had to travel. I saw what all was involved in that. I saw how much he had to be gone to make a de decent living. And so that really wasn't super appealing to me. In fact, whenever I, I left the uh, the youth pastor job that I had and decided to make a run at speaking, one of the, the biggest concerns that I had, one of the biggest hesitations was, I want to be a speaker, but I don't want to be gone constantly. So how does that work? What's the, the balance there? And in fact, we're going to do an episode upcoming here where we're going to talk more about that, about how to be a speaker. Because and balance, you know, family and life, you know, and because the nature of speaking is that you travel, that you're gone. And so uh, I get that question a lot from people of going, Grant, you, you know, you travel all the time. How do you manage to travel so much while still being a good husband and being a good father? Is it possible to have both? Is it possible to have your cake and eat it too, so to speak? Which I don't even know what that means. Do you know what that means? Can someone email me and explain me, have your cake and eat it too? I don't, I don't know. Maybe you can explain that to me. I was like, I want, I want to be a speaker, but I don't want to be gone constantly in order to make it work. Yeah, as a speaker today, one of the things that I say a lot is that who you are is more important than what you do. Who you are is more, more important than what you do. Meaning, if I'm a great speaker, if you're a great speaker, if we make a difference in the lives of all these other people, but we drop the ball as, you know, as a husband, as a wife, as a mother, as a father, if we're the shell of a human being, it's just not worth it to me. And so this guy that I worked for, he was a great speaker, but, but thankfully, he, I mean, he was also a great father, he was a great husband, and he still, even to this day, he's been a really big influence and mentor to me, but I just I didn't want to have to be gone as much as, as he was. I'll give you a great example here. Whenever I first got started speaking, one of the, the very first events I got hired for was a, a Christian camp that was a few hours from where I lived. And I, I don't even remember how they, they got a hold of me, but somehow I got invited to speak at this event. And you know, when you're just getting started, the fact that you could speak at anything, regardless of what they're going to pay you, you're like, yes, I am in. This is amazing. And so I got hired to speak at this camp that was a few hours from where I was at. And I went and I spoke for six nights in a row at this camp, six days that I was gone from my wife, six different presentations that I had to develop. There's a lot of time involved in this, plus just lots of dead time sitting around during the day to wait until uh, I spoke that night. So I spoke six nights, was gone six days, and I was paid, ready for this? $750, $750. Now, again, like I said, at the time, this was awesome. I was like, I, the fact that I got paid anything was just crazy to me. So six nights of a camp for 750 bucks was crazy. Now, compare that to the first paid keynote that I had in the, the quote-unquote secular market very shortly thereafter, where I drove a few hours away, I spoke once for 45 minutes, and I was paid $1,000. $1,000 for one talk for 45 minutes. So I'm going, okay, I could speak once for 45 minutes for 1000 bucks, or speak six times over six days for less than that, for 750 bucks. It's like, eh, that's not super appealing. I mean, even today, fast forward to today, I get paid in one keynote what many you know, faith-based speakers take multiple, multiple engagements to earn. Now, that's not a pat on the back for me at all. That's just kind of the oftentimes the reality of the market. You can, you can still do well in the faith market, but oftentimes it's just a, it's a smaller market and it's a, it's a bit tougher to make that happen. I'll give you two other quick stories I remember from, from Christian speakers that I had talked with. After I'd been speaking for a few years, I remember getting a call from a, uh, a guy who's kind of a faith-based speaker, and he, he told me this. He he'd spoke 50 times the year before, and he made, you ready for this? He made $13,000, $13,000 for the entire year. He had a wife and kids and made $13,000. Listen, that is poverty level. You cannot afford to live on that. And I just remember thinking, like, I don't... 
I, I want to speak, but I, uh, you know, I always jokingly say I want to eat and live indoors. And and he, not a knock to him, but he was barely doing that. Uh, so I didn't want to get in a spot where that was the case. I also remember uh, another story here where I was talking with the speaker who said that one of the busiest times of the year for speaking for him was the summer because he would speak at so many different summer camps. And so I remember him telling me that he was gone for the entire summer except for one week. When his kids were out of school and the opportunity to hang out with their dad, he was gone. Now, he, you know, he said his family came with him you know, occasionally, but it was, it was hard practically to do that and to make that happen too often. But he just like my whole summer was taken up being gone because I would go, you know, I'd, I might fly out on Sunday and go speak all week at a camp and I'd come home Saturday and turn around and leave again on Sunday to go to a different camp. And it was, it was, like, it was just like that week after week after week. Now, again, I'm not trying to like rain on the parade here. And again, don't get me wrong. There are some speakers in the faith market who do really, really, really well. But again, strictly from a business perspective, I felt like I could do better. Uh, I felt like I could earn more. And I felt like I could generate even a bigger impact if I was in more of a secular market. So that was kind of the why. Let me answer Jed's second question there about using some of that early speaking in the church to start getting gigs outside of the church. So there are two key things that I really did. One was that speaking in the church, it, it gave me a lot of opportunities to actually speak and really helped me to become a better speaker. So how do you become a better speaker? You actually speak. And in the church space, I got a lot of opportunities to do that. You know, I, one of the things I, I kind of jokingly say is like, you know, I've got three daughters and they're younger. And so if I was teaching one of my daughters how to ride her bike, for example, you know, I could explain how to ride the bike. I could, we could watch videos on YouTube. We could read articles. We could read blog posts about how to ride a bike. But the best way to learn to ride a bike is to get on the freaking bike and ride the bike. And so the same thing is true with speaking. The way that you become a better speaker is that you actually speak. And so by the time I got paid for that very first keynote for $1,000, I'd actually done a lot of speaking uh, up in prior to that. Uh, a lot of it was free. A lot of it was in the church world. But I had got to speak, and that's how I became a better speaker. I had a lot of those at-bats. I had a lot of those opportunities under my belt. So, so that definitely, speaking in the church world, definitely helped me to have a lot of at-bats, to have a lot of opportunities, which translated to helping me to become a better speaker. The second thing that I did was that I really tried to leverage the, the church opportunities that I had in a non-church way. And let me explain what I mean. My first demo video, in fact, was mostly footage of me speaking at a local church youth group. But now we have the challenge of, okay, it's footage of me speaking in a church setting, but I don't want to, I don't want to market to that setting. So how do I do that? So what I did was, uh, you know, I had probably a, you know, a 30 minute talk or so. And really in a demo video, uh, you only need two or three minutes or so of footage. And so basically what I did was that I, I just put together two or three clips that were basically non-faith message. It was more, I wouldn't say generic, but it was just kind of more motivational, inspirational, maybe just a, a funny story that could be used in any context, faith-based or otherwise. And so I used speaking in that setting, but just kind of edited the video in such a way where you, you couldn't really tell if you were a high school principal. You couldn't tell that this guy was, a, uh, was speaking to a youth group. He was just speaking to an, an audience, you know? The other thing that I did was that uh, by speaking a lot in the church market, I was able to start getting some of those recommendations and using some of those recommendations on my website. Now, again, if you're speaking, if you have a lot of, of 
quote unquote church or faith based recommendations, how do you kind of leverage that for, you know, non faith based opportunities? Well, for example, one of the things I did was I spoke at a, a major Christian college. And so a friend of mine was the vice president of the school. So I got a good recommendation quote from him. And so the name of the school wasn't necessarily, a, it was a Christian school, but the name of the school wasn't. So I was able to use something like that, where it wasn't like the, some type of Christian language. I, I was able to, that very first demo video that I used where I spoke to a, a youth group, I got a testimonial and a quote from the youth pastor, but whenever I, I was referring to him on the recommendation page, instead of referring to him as a youth pastor, more more church terms, I, I referred to him, I think it's like a youth director or something along those lines. So I was trying to just take some, again, the, 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 the church experiences and speaking opportunities that I had and tried to use the wording or tweak the wording in such a way where it wasn't a, it was, it was the type of thing that wouldn't make a, a potential secular decision maker nervous. So anyway, uh, that's just kind of the overview of why I went the path that I did. And you know, I, I, I know plenty of speakers who prefer to speak in one market or the other. And I don't, I don't fault anybody for that. So again, the nutshell for me was it was primarily purely a, a business decision that I felt like I could earn more and make a bigger impact by speaking in a, a different market. So that was kind of the, the thought process behind that. So great question, Jed. All right, there you go. I hope you enjoyed that uh, little chit-chat chatteroo and the question from Jed about uh, making that transition. That was a good question. I enjoyed thinking that through myself and providing a, hopefully a, a helpful answer to you there. Hey, again, if you haven't already, be sure and subscribe to the show. If you have a question that you would like us to answer on the upcoming episode of the podcast, be sure and go to the uh, thespeakerlab.com. Again, thespeakerlab.com. Go to the Ask Grant tab, leave us your voicemail question, and we will try to answer that on an upcoming episode of the show. That wraps up episode 31, my friends. We'll catch you next time. You're awesome.